Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week... I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 196 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Well, I've only gone and got myself a bit of COVID, haven't I? You may be able to hear it in my voice. I've got a bit of a sore throat, so I won't be on here too long. Firstly, as ever, our Patreon supporters, thank you very much. Without whom, we would not be able to produce this podcast. And if you like what you hear and you want to give us a bit of financial support to keep the uh, to keep the podcast growing, that will be absolutely brilliant. You can go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. Click on the link tree drop down box and that will take you over to their Patreon page. And like I said last week, Kersler Arts annual exhibition is on the, at the Royal Festival Hall. It's called Freedom and it was curated by Ai Weiwei. It normally has about 250 artworks, but you know, Ai Weiwei likes to do things different and this year he's got around about 1800. So please, if you're passing the South Bank, I urge you to go and uh, to go and have a look round. It really is a powerful exhibition. Well, this week, like last week, we've got ourselves a stone carver featuring on an episode, and today I'm going to be taking you to meet Tom Wah. I only come across Tom's work a couple of months ago. I can't remember fully, but I think I come across it on my Instagram feed, and his work proper blew me away. So much so, I just contacted him straight away and asked if he'd come on and uh, record an episode. If you want to hear um, other episodes featuring sculptors, stone carvers, there's last week's episode, and that was Beth Cullen Kerridge, or there's Richard McNess, who is episode 182. But for now, come and join me on episode 196 when I spoke over Zoom to sculptor and stone carver. Tom Wah. 
Um, I'm in Somerset. Yeah, West Somerset. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, and that's where where I'm from originally. Um, well, I'm from Devon actually, but I, you know, I, I I lived and studied in London for quite a while. My wife's a Londoner, and then we moved back. Um, but but for a few lot of different reasons. But a lot of it was what the work I do. I need quite a lot of space, and I make quite a lot of mess. Yeah. And it was just trying to find somewhere affordable <laughs> in London was, you know, no. I'm sure you no, it's yeah, it's a yeah. nightmare. So. Well, Tom, I do have seven questions that I ask each artist. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that what you've already said is given a bit of a hint. But, yeah. Um, how would you explain what you do to people that don't know your work? So I work in stone and marble and um, really it's hyper-realism, I guess. And, uh, and so, you know, m subject matters often... Um, things like crumpled cardboard boxes, very realistically carved. And I use different stones to look like the material that I'm uh, copying. So I use a lot of white marble, which looks like white plastic. And I, so some of the works are oversized. So I've done some giant knives and forks and um, big tablet packets and things like that. And then there's, there's another side to the work that I do, which is, um, these fossil pieces so I'll get a rough boulder or a piece of alabaster I pick up alabaster on the beach and watch it near me and I'll from the rock I'll carve you know bits of rubbish like coffee lid or you know a petrol can as if it's within mm. the rock as if it's just been found so that's another side and then more recently I've done a big public art project um which was through the Royal Society of Sculptors um and that was a bit of a learning curve for me. I've heard you speak, I think you were speaking to Ali Rosenberg about this. Once you, you know, this was all steel and glass. So it was a bit of a departure for, for me. So when you're dealing with uh, organisations that don't usually deal with artists, it's, it, it's, a, it's a different thing entirely, yeah, you know. Yeah. So having to get structural engineers involved and, um, you know, people doing the welding and, having to try and explain exactly what you want, you know, in practical terms, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing, but that's in Harrow and that's, that's on the site of an old Kodak factory. Um, so the proposal I put forward was for a giant camera lens, which is about three and a bit meters tall, including the plinth. And it's got uh, an animation on the glass, which as you move around, it looks like a camera aperture opening and closing but nice. it's, it's all analog there's no electricity it's just literally these vertical lines that mask the animation as you move around it it animates it was it was that what they wanted well it's like with all these um you know when there's an open call you kind of read between the lines don't you so so in the in the sort of proposal they were talking a lot about the Kodak factory. It's Persimmon Homes, who have uh, done a housing development in Harrow on the site of, I think it was actually the playing fields um, for the factory. So, well, the fact, you know, don't get many factories now that have their own playing fields, do you? But no, uh, the no. Kodak factory had this huge bit of green space, which was which was open space for the factory workers, and they, they built on that. And so in the blurb for the proposal, they were talking a lot about that. The other, the other thing is they... You know, with public art, maintenance is a huge issue. So yeah. they want to know it's maintenance free. It's going to last a certain amount of time. So, so you know, it was a combination of those things using steel and glass uh, and tying in with the Kodak factory. That's kind of 
yeah that's that's and 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 and, and it's and it was you know successful it was um yeah it was a long old process you know getting it to to the stage where it could be made um but uh yeah no it's up there now and and how did you feel coming out of your comfort zone as it were without a sort of a hammer and chisel in your hand uh i mean i think as the process went on i, I got into it but um it's difficult it is difficult giving up that control you know and 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 you know usually i work just on my own completely you know so and, and it was i think four different companies that were involved in the in the production so i you know i did a bit of um you know finishing welds you know grinding back welds and stuff yeah. i did what i could practically but actually you know really it was just i was just i just designed it and was overseeing it and that was a bit that was a bit strange actually so the for main... someone sorry for someone no. that uses hammer and chisel and it's it's all your work is you know is pretty much a hundred percent you how did it feel handing over the reins for for for, for one piece yeah it was just very different it was it was it you know and it was you just got to kind of have a lot of faith really in, yeah. in the people that are doing uh, doing the work and you know try not to get involved when when it's you know trust that their level of expertise is is right and you know all that side of things was for years getting used to just I mean I've worked in in it you know in teams of people but not on my own work you know so yeah, that was a yeah. bit it was a bit it was a bit different really yeah you know it was uh but they were great i mean the guys that the guys that did it the guys that did the glass and the guys that did all the steel work you know they were brilliant they were really understanding and yeah did you have creativity in the home growing up tom uh yeah well that my dad was a um cabinet maker and a nice. and a wood carver but he so he did a mixture of carving and you know general joinery um and so it was always around it, you know i used to go in the workshop and do bits and pieces but i honestly sort of never really thought of that as something that i would end up doing that type of thing i guess and um but yeah no it was all it was always around and so dad had lots of art books and a lot of but books about carving and and all that so it was all around me so you know oh, it was it was back. art carving he'd done not just molding a, a, mi a, mi a mixture so it was things like he might be commissioned to do like a bookcase that might have some little carved details yeah, on yeah, it yeah, yeah. or some and often he get commissioned by churches to do statues and nice. stuff so it was quite it was it was quite traditional but he had he very much had his own style because with the carving he was self-taught really so he 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 studied the joinery um and cabinet making and then the carving he sort of taught himself so he had quite recognizable style looking back i think yeah and did you pick up a hammer and chisel in those days a bit but not i mean a, a little bit but never as a sort of um you know, I liked art at school and uh, I always, looking back, I think I always gravitated towards sculpture and 3D stuff. I used to get quite frustrated drawing and painting. I remember primary school, I was used to sort of like do something and then just destroy it because I wasn't happy with it. And uh, but, um, but, but when it was 3D stuff, I kind of, it felt, you know, 
it, it felt yeah, more natural, yeah. I suppose. Um, and then I did. I went on to do A level um, art. I did GCSE and A level art. And actually, I didn't do very well at A level art because I just couldn't get my head around the whole write. You know, having to write a lot about yeah, yeah, work. Yeah. I just thought I just want to make it. And yeah. so I think I sort of did quite badly because I just wasn't. You know, I wasn't. I didn't do enough of the writing bit. You know, um, so it put me off a bit actually. So then I went on and um, to do music more actually, and that's that was more what I was focused on, I guess. Um, and then I came back to art just by chance, really, because I was I was um, in living in Bristol, and I'd been work. I've been just doing temporary jobs, sort of in my early twenties, working on building sites and and call centers and whatever really yeah. and I had a bit of a gap in employment and you know I was trying to do the music thing and all that and then um I went on the new deal do you remember that Labour's new deal oh of they, course yeah yeah, had, yeah. Where basically you know they're just trying to get young people back into yeah. work so I was in a you know I was had to go into an office every day where they you know getting to fill in loads of application forms and stuff and the church next door to that new deal office was being restored so I just thought well that you know, and I was watching the stonemasons doing their thing, you know, that was in St. Paul's in Bristol, which is nice. sort of, then it was a bit of a rough area of Bristol, but it was a lovely, um, lovely church. And I could, you know, I could hear the sort of hammers going, I thought, that's right. So I went on and asked for a job and I started labouring, sweeping up on this um, Brilliant. church site. And then I sort of was looking at what the masons were doing and I, I said, can I have a go? And I started doing a bit of carving and it was all architect. they let you have they let, let you yeah do the obviously the easier bits you know it weren't the yeah. eyes and nose yeah yeah <laughs> well, i don't think that i don't think that had happened now and it wasn't anything figurative or decorative it was like windows around and moldy yeah stuff. yeah yeah there was a bit of a thing in masonry i don't know if it's still sort of a thing but it was a college and on sites it was you know the masons if you wanted to do anything a bit arty or a bit creative they'd say oh you don't want to do that arty farty shit (laughs) look down on but yeah uh, you know i think a part of that was because everyone actually wanted to go you know but it was not easy to find your way into doing the more decorative artistic stuff so anyway from from uh from there i they 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 sent me to college so i was going you know i was doing three days or something a week at the church and two days at the college and uh, <clears throat> and I guess at the college what sort of changed things is the tutor came in and literally just got everyone carving a flower and it wasn't part of the syllabus yeah. and the other tutors weren't that happy about it arty farty shit whatever <laughs> yeah. I loved it and I was just you know so just that one little carving that I did it made me think well actually I can do this I can do you know I can I can I can carve stone to look like something not just you know to put something around a church window you know so um so I found then from there when I'd done that course I found there was a three-year diploma at City and Guilds in London uh which was just carving so it's architectural carving but you did a lot of um figurative uh, sculpture, portrait sculpture. So, my, you know, started working clay, copying a lot of cast, but it was like a very traditional, almost like a sculpture course would have been, yeah. you know, 100 years ago or something. It was, you know, and um, and I loved it. Like, yeah, so I spent three years there doing that. And that's kind of, the, the art bit is a different story, to be yeah. honest with you. But, 
but that's 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 how I kind of got into stone basically yeah and from from there did you go on to work in you know like you was doing before did you move up the ladder to be one of the carvers yeah so or the masons sorry yeah yeah no so I was already a mason so yeah when I was at when I was at college doing the carving I was at weekends I was I was I was funding the, the course I was doing by doing the masonry work mainly on houses in London you know yeah. so you know replacing stone window sills and all and that sort of stuff um um but the sculpture side of it and um, one of the one of the big things actually was that during one of the summer holidays I um there's a sculptor called Peter Randall Page who is uh, based in Devon and uh, uh um he he is an RA now but he wasn't then but he but he, um, uh, I went to work for him. So that was my first experience of kind of fine art sculpture, working with people that were doing that. And, you know, and all these little steps sort of um, just made it seem more possible that I could, you know, cause I, yeah. I always felt a little bit, but it was quite inaccessible. You know, even when I was doing A-level art, it was, I loved doing it, but actually thinking about doing it as a job or, you know, try, you know trying to actually, become an artist which just seems yeah I don't know which yeah. is if there's there's not really a route for it is there it's a no it's like sort of opening up a sheep pen and and everyone yeah. just sort of wanders off you know no exactly exactly and it was a bit like that when I left college to be honest as well it's like yeah. that thing where you know and then and then when, when I left college we moved because of the thing that I was talking about um trying to find more affordable space to work in plus my stepson Brandon and I've got family you know so I've family down down here in the southwest so for a few different reasons we moved we moved back down to the southwest but then when that happened um you know the work sort of dropped I mean actually another I got a big commission when I just left college which was a which was a classical statue for a library in in North Wales so I needed a bigger space to make that yeah. and then once I'd met, made that that piece then it was like sort of felt like opportunities ran out a little bit and I was and I spent quite a long time you know doing stuff like you know making building stone walls and you know quite basic stuff to keep the money coming in you know so so you know that was um and then and then I guess I just started on I just started as a sort of sideline making these realist sculpts sculptures so I made a cardboard box one of the cardboard box the first one I did and um and uh, and I had a little community show that I, there was a sort of a, like a like a arts festival community show, and I did a the first exhibition I'd ever done with a painter friend, and that, that was about 2015, I think. And um, I've had three pieces in. She had some paintings. I wasn't expecting to sell anything, and I sold two out of the three pieces that I was exhibiting to people that I didn't know as well. So that was a big thing for me. I've suddenly thought people actually buy this you know <laughs> believe it. Yeah. you know and that sort of spurred me on I, you know because I, I had to whatever I was doing at that stage having a young family I've got two boys Sid and Isaac and they were they were little at the time I had to keep money coming in so it actually made me think well actually I can't the, the artwork can be part of my income yeah, yeah. I don't, you know before I was just making the work and doing it because I was loving doing it and then it suddenly shifted and became sort of possible that I might you know might might be might be able to continue kind of thing you know, so. so you mentioned that um 
for this that you put in a cardboard box. Could you just describe the size, the, the texture of, yeah, of that yeah. box? So it's, 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 it wasn't very big. It's probably about maybe 20 centimetres square and about 15 centimetres high, something like that. And it's very crumpled and squashed. Yeah. And, and, and really, I mean, all the things I'd learned at college about copying drapery. So we'd do a project where we carve a bit of cloth and make it look very realistic as you would on a classical sculpture. So all those sorts of things feed in. And I used um, Portland stone, which has, which when you polish it comes darker and shiny. So the, where the tape would have been on the cardboard box, I polished those bits so that it looked nice. like sellotape you know and that's the one thing people were like oh it's really good but why have you stuck sellotape on it, and they touch it. <laughs> oh you're right you haven't yeah that little, the, that little bit of unexpected exactly, well factor yeah. if you like yeah and that's what i always that's what i always go for my stuff and the, the boxes that the more recent boxes i have some little polystyrene packers made out of white marble that sit on top of it so that's the extra little thing where people kind of go oh yeah but you've got some poly and then they touch it and realize it's marble yeah nice but I get, I think when I was that thing about the unexpected, you know, that really hit me. The first time I thought about art, which could have that sort of um, uh, impact, was when I saw Richard Wilson's oil piece. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I saw it in the Saatchi when I was a teenager. And, you know, you walk up, walk down that, that sort of walkway and you don't quite know what, what's going on. It's like, are you looking down? is there glass yeah, there yeah. and then it takes a little while to realize what it is and that's you know that's the art that i that i really like so and that's what i try and do with with, with my with my work really that cardboard box was that the first piece that you'd created that wasn't a traditional looking image yeah yeah no it, um trying to think yeah and no, i think it was yeah and then the three pieces i had in that in that uh that community show was a was a fag butt big like a big one it was like about two foot tall sort of stubbed out on a plinth yeah, and that yeah. three different three different stones and a plastic cup you know like the type of really cheap plastic cup you get you know i don't know if you really get them that much anymore but um they're really crinkly ones and that was like a twice life-size one in alabaster yeah and the, and the cup and the and the box sold the fag bar I've still got, actually, because, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a hard sell. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, that's, that's, a, that's always a perfect thing to do is, is make something outside. Yeah, yeah. Or likewise, giving it a new texture or weight, you know, yeah. of the material. I mean, yeah. the, the one that comes to mind for me personally is Gavin Turk's um, bin bags. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's well, definitely... I met Gavin because he was a judge on the Rise Art Prize, actually, and um, and uh, yes, yeah, so there's definite parallels with, with, with his work and now his work's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, oh, very much so. No, definitely, and also um, Ron Ron Muek, I really, I never quite know how yeah. to say his surname Muek, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, but, but those things are both right, oversized or undersized, hyper realist works. It's always just got that real, you know that impact it's sort of instant isn't it yeah no what I've been one work what I've got in the workshop at the moment working on is a um uh, I'm doing a giant pill pot so like you know the white plastic yeah, tablet pot, yeah. the lid lids off sitting on the ground and it's gonna have pills inside it and some on the ground it's about about 
just over half a metre tall. So, so that's uh, and that's a whole series of big farmer. I call it big farmer. Got a huge um, tablet wall mounted tablet packets and brilliant. The one that caught my eye was the um, tablet blister. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Where, where you'd taken a, a couple of the the pills out, as it were. Yeah, you know, a couple of them were were deflated or indented rather. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That one, that proper. Uh, and, no, and I couldn't see the scale at first, and then it, then you had it in front of you, and it was possibly just over a meter wide. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. They're, those they're really good fun to make those, and they're popular. So yeah, and I've got, that series will probably keep keep going. I've done quite a few just the individual tablets because I always just like to have some smaller, more affordable work. You know, it's, I think I mean you talked about that about starting you know producing prints and stuff like that because it's because of the amount of time and the material it's not that affordable so done quite a few of these small tablets that are that you know a bit more a bit more sort of accessible and affordable yeah hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. A question that's sort of unrelated, really. It's just come to me as you was talking there. How do you source your materials? Ah, so there's a, so there's a mixture of things. So to start off with, I was always using offcuts from the um, from jobs that I had done. So, a bit, so the extra bits of stone that, you know, you cut off a bit because you've because you you know you're taking off a bit of material to make something, and so that was initially. And then um, a lot of the pieces for the for the for the blister pack for the tablet packet, uh, I've I've got from reclamation yards actually. Because getting marble from Italy is can be really expensive, but actually fire old fireplaces often they have marble hearth or something, and you yeah. can find those in reclamation yard for like sometimes like you know hundred quid, fifty quid for a big you know. You know, so for, for the relief stuff, the wall-mounted stuff, often that's where it comes from. And also, I do get, I, 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 there's a few different stone suppliers that I use to get stone for the masonry jobs that often have offcuts or the end of a block. And, um, but I have, I've started buying more, actually, as I've been selling more. But initially, it was, all, it was always, you know, get, getting bits from reclamation yards or, or using offcuts or... One of the artworks you've done, and I don't know the name of the the actual machine, the the the, the carving oh, yeah. machine. What are they called? Uh, uh, well, it's an industrial robot, really, or a CNC machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's CNC. Yeah. I love the idea of hand oh, carving you. one yeah. of those. I thought it yeah, was yeah. brilliant. Absolutely yeah, well, brilliant. You. Yeah. Well, that was I made that for the National Sculpture Prize, which is at uh, Broomhill uh, in Devon, and Gavin actually was a judge on was one of the judges on that so that's the second time he's been a judge on uh, a competition i've been in first one 
uh, was Rise Art in 2018, which was Richard Wilson and Gavin Turk, the two of the judges. And, and I got the best sculptor and people's choice for that. For the Broomhill one, I didn't win. There's some really good people in that. But, um, but no, it was great to meet, uh, to meet him again and have a chat. And, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Have one, you one, seen any work with one of those machines? Any work made with one of them? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I've seen them used by sculptors, and uh, I, I, a lot of carvers and sculptors have a real problem with it. They feel like it's um, like it's cheating somehow. But I mean, we all use angle grinders. You yeah. know, that's another tool which cuts time down. I mean, I don't use them because I really enjoy the process of carving. But that's not to say there might be a job in the future where it's going to be so much easier and cheaper to use yeah. that technology. Sorry, where I was going with this, Tom. Yeah. If you look at the work of one of those machines. Yeah. Can you see that it wasn't made by hand? I, I don't know. So um, I think there's a couple of things. So often when those machines are used, a sculptor might model in clay first, then have that 3D scanned. And then the CNC machine will copy it exactly. And then you can very much tell that the, that the surface is, um, is a modelled surface, not yeah. carved surface. So it looks a bit weird because you've got a marble object that looks like it's been modelled in clay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got but you. if it's done in the right way, um, if they leave, you know, two mil off the surface and then finish it by hand and carve it and put the tool marks on, Sometimes you can't tell, but it all like any tool and any technology, it all it depends how it's been used, doesn't it? You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in this group show off, you know, in Oxfordshire, which is all stone carving, it's called On Form. And um, one of the, and it's usually about 30 sculptors, it's every other year, and it's a really, it's a really good show, real variety of, of work, although it's all stone. But there's one of the sculptors there that you know, turns out it's using CNC machines. They're all a lot like the carvers are like up in our sculpture, kind of up in our <laughs> And I just thought it's fine. I mean, like the type of work that he was doing, he's working in granite, very geometric. You know, the design of the work was amazing. It, you know, to me, it's like, it's fine. But yeah, the piece, I'm not a robot. I mean, just to describe it, um, it's, it's a robot arm that's carving itself uh, from a block of, of marble so so the bottom half of it is all blocky and you can see the lines and it's actually sort of leaning down and and, and carving itself and uh, and it's called i'm not a robot because when you get when you click on a website it asks you to verify that you're not yeah, a robot. yeah, yeah, yeah. But i always find that a bit funny though it's kind of a computer getting you to confirm that you're not a robot basically a robot making sure you're not a robot it's this weird sort of sort of circle thing um uh, yeah, and it's also about technology and and progress and what what's the end goal of, of artificial intelligence and machine learning? You know, it's yeah. ask all those questions really. I guess yeah. I've seen a few paintings in the past where it would be the painting would be the painter painting himself yeah. on a canvas or yeah, like the Escher exactly. Hand, yeah. the Escher. There's the, there's uh, Rodin did a lot of a kind of unfinished. What looked unfinished sculpture so your head emerging from a block and yeah, so yeah. you know you still see the rough block and all that yeah yeah no no i like all that which piece tom that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection um i 
guess it well it's going to be one of two i guess so um it, it's either going to be the um the flower that little flower because I, I gave that to my now wife and uh, that i carved at college purely because when i look back at that i think well if i hadn't have if that, if that guy hadn't come in and got us all carving you know doing doing something that wasn't in the syllabus and getting us enthusiastic then i might not be doing what i'm what i'm doing now uh, so it's either going to be that or um there's another piece which is kind of it's part um about four or five years ago i did a restoration of a um a, a, it's a bridge but it's it, it's in the sort of grounds of this stately home and it was um and it's this kind of bridge with these two uh figures on either side and and up these sort of copings of this bridge are all kind of rock carved in stone rocks and seaweed and pearls nice. and uh, it's as if it's sort of um you know, it's from the 18th century and it's as if it's sort of an underwater treasure like a yeah like yeah a, yeah like a, um but i had to replace a whole of one side of it so it was all so i was matching but making it different if you imagine it's symmetrical but not so yeah. i was having to sort of make up um, and it's like a sort of in the more traditional work that I do, it's a rare chance to do something a bit more creative. So I was having to sort of make up an arrangement of shells and seaweed and pearls and rocks going down this sort of sloping wall. And uh, around the back, uh, where there was two big rocks, I just carved a little crushed coke can uh, in between the two. Nice. So even though it was from the 18th century, you know, I thought I'd leave my little my little record in in there um, and I didn't tell the owner of the house that I had done it and I went and I waited a couple of months to see if he would spot it and he and he hadn't and so then I I fessed up and I said you know well come around and have a look at this and uh look I've carved this uh if you don't like it I'll I'll, I'll take it out you know and he basically just said um seeing as I didn't notice it you've got away with it it's on me and I like it and, that, and now it's become a bit of a, a feature of it and a talking point and it's you know it's not in your face it's um uh but the other thing that I did which I haven't fessed up to yet I'm still waiting to see if he notices which he hasn't but <laughs> so around what the figures they've got garlands which is all like flowers and more shells and different things so I had to do a whole one of the new uh figures so her garland has got flowers and shells and then with in amongst that's a chip fork yeah a little one a little wooden chip fork yeah, so that's, yeah, even yeah. More, that's even harder to spot but um but anyway so that's there as well so yeah but that's those beautiful things that can be a little secret that is owned just by the viewer isn't it that you come across you discover something exactly you're yeah. quite sure that no one else has, has discovered yeah. yeah i love those yeah. sort of things anyway no, exactly and it's also you know once someone knows about it they'll actually you know that people have been taking people just to look at that you know you know it, it's um it you know it becomes uh, as well as the bridge and the carving that's there it's like an extra it's an extra thing you know it's the same as um there was um it can be done badly this but often on cathedrals um so i've worked on you know before i was <coughs> and i still do a bit of this but i've worked on a few different cathedrals i worked on st paul's in london and wells i was saying about somerset but um, uh, and often you see quirky little things that have been done by the stonemasons that are, that you wouldn't be able to see unless you're up on the scaffolding. Yeah. One of one of the things in um, uh, that I saw in a cathedral in Spain that was a restoration was uh, a devil 
uh, with an ice cream cone, which from a from a you yeah, know from yeah. like a sixteenth century church was obviously done much much later on. But you know, in amongst all the other detail, you can't really you know you don't really notice it unless you know and you have a look and you find it. You well, know, the thing so. is, like you saying about that bridge, Tom. In another two hundred years, when people are talking about this four hundred year old bridge, they yeah. can say, well, this was restored. In or, in or around the start of the 21st century, because the cheeky mason has, you know, sort of done this in there, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. I yeah, love yeah. it. If there was you and five other artists, Tom, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, it's a tough one, this, isn't it? Um, I, I uh, So Richard Wilson, definitely, because of that crude oil piece that I saw, and I, and I, I, and I love his work, and I met him, and he's nothing really nice he's great isn't he? he's really great yeah yeah um and then um ron yet because i because say i think his work is amazing um who else jeremy della nice because I, I that that work the sort of thing about art being an event and all you know that you know and, and also i sort of caught the end of the rave scene myself so I, you know that whole that, that, that his work sort of really appeals to me. Um, um, who else? Well, Banksy, I reckon, because you know, because it's because he's amazing, and uh, and then, then there's one more, isn't there? Okay. Um, I suppose Gavin Turk as well. I mean, although my work could get a bit lost in amongst all that, I guess, wouldn't it? You know, uh, <laughs> but that's. I mean, what what a bunch of people. Yeah. I was thinking that as you was going through it, yeah. you know. How do you think, if you were able, you could collaborate with Banksy? Your eyes lit up when you mentioned him, that's why I asked. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I uh, ex well, I was supposed to exhibit with um, someone called Dorcas Casey. She worked with Banksy on Dismal Land, and she she did those horses on the, the yeah, Princess yeah. Carriage. So she does a lot of animals out of... Um, out of uh, fabric uh and you know it's amazing stuff but i don't know really if you ever wanted anything carved in stone <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, your maybe, man. maybe a stone version of the uh the drinker yeah yeah the sculptors you mentioned they've all got that same sort of humorous little twist to their work they sort of yeah. come in on it from a from the, the similar sort of angle don't they Ex you know? exactly and then i've heard you talk about this before but then there's that fine line between humor in art and something just being a joke yeah you know it, it and it's hard to know where that line where that line is isn't it, isn't it? you don't tend to realize where it is <laughs> until you've crossed it exactly and, it, and, I, and, I, and I guess maybe the thing is is that the mixture of something serious and something funny you know that as long as it's balanced by something a bit more weighty behind it I guess yeah. if you wasn't an artist Tom what do you think you'd like to be well, that's I, I can tell you what I probably would be, which is <laughs> unemployed. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll probably still be a doing just stonemasonry. Yeah, you know, I get, I guess, and I and I and I still um, do do a lot of masonry. And so, right, for instance, at the moment, I'm working at Royal Holloway College up in um, in uh, Egham in Surrey, and that is restoring a load of marble statues because there's, there's this big. Um, statue of Thomas Holloway and these little figures all around it students climb up on it 
to uh, to get a traffic cone on the head because, of course, because, of course. because these figures have got all arms sticking out and stuff. They're knocking arms off and taking them away. Sure. So that that I suppose is art. But if I wasn't doing my own work, I'd be doing that all the time. You know, the restoration side of it. But it's become more and more. Um, you know, it started being about 50-50 of my own work and the restoration stuff. And now it's kind of probably more like 70, you know, 30, something like that. Yeah, so. I presume what, doing restorative work, would it keep you in touch with history still? Because you, your work is going very contemporary. Do, yeah, do you well, still it, get the bit where you'll be working on someone else's work or looking at someone else's work and going, ah, oh, that's how they've done that. Yeah. As I see in a painting. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no I do really and 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 also it all feeds in I, I guess so often artists will have to do something else to you yeah. know to make money you know so it's not you know it's not all teaching or whatever yeah yeah exactly yeah but so and that feeds in as well I guess but um but you know it's good that I've got something that that feeds in in a practical sense you know I'm, I'm all my skills you know I'm always improving and I'm always thinking about you know it's always helped me think about what I'm going to do next and stuff. So yeah, no, no, it's um, so it you know I still I still really enjoy yeah. that side of it. Yeah. Well, we done a little trip to Portland when I was at university just for the weekend. Yeah, that's it, it's quite a, a mesmerizing thing to step back. Yeah. Time, as it were. And and did you see the did you see the Gormley sculpture there? No, whether it was there. I mean, this is two thousand and one. It would have been there, but not many people know. So there's like a load of sculptors in that quarry have done carving straight into the rock face. So there's one by Peter Randall Page, and there's one by Anthony Gormley. There's a few. There's there's a lot in you know. But um, uh, was it the old quarry that you were in, Tout Quarry? Then or was it the more? We was in a quarry. Yeah, yeah. It probably was Tout. And then so Gormley's got one which is a, a man sort of falling down the cliff face. He's a okay. sort of. Sort of like, yeah, yeah. So, I don't, I don't recall seeing any of those. No, no, not in a different part. But it's a funny old place, Portland, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know this sounds bad, but I wanted to go and see the prison. Oh yeah, yeah. There's oh, a that... prison that's pretty much carved into the stone. Yeah, anywhere, no, that fascinating place. No, I've worked on the church. There's a church right in the middle of Portland, um, and uh, and I've worked restored like years, this was years ago. Uh, putting back together gravestones uh, at, wow. that, that had been broken and fallen apart. So, so then I was staying on Portland, in a pub on Portland. Yeah, so I got to know it a bit, and it's a funny old, funny old place. And uh, they're really superstitious about rabbits. Have you heard about that? No. So they, you can't say rabbit. You know, the old guys, <laughs> you have to, they call them underground mutton, or they call them bunnies. You can say bunnies, yeah. and it, but it's because when there was a um, uh, landslide in the quarry all the rabbits used to run out of the of the of the quarry so the quarrymen thought that the rabbits were there like digging away and undermining the tops oh, undermining yeah, the top. yeah 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 and that, but actually I think the rabbits just uh feel the vibrations before people can yeah, yeah. get out of there but yeah as a result and there's rabbits all over the island but they're really superstitious about rabbits they just don't like them you can't mention it so oh they must have hated Chaz and dave in the in the mid 80s mustn't exactly, they yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they'd be like no turn it off <laughs> got more underground mutton than sainsbury's <laughs> um tom have you got anything coming up um the next thing I'm working towards a show in uh, Messons, London, in which is on Cork Street, and that but that's May next year. So uh, um, I'm making all new work for that. So um, 
so that's the next thing that I've got coming up. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm uh, busy sort of making work for that. There's, I think, eight pieces in that, which would be a mixture of over life size. So I'm doing half the shows five times life size pieces, and then the other half as life size pieces, and they'll be sort of separate. So things like traffic cones made out of uh, different coloured marbles. So it'll be nice. a black marble at the bottom, red marble, white marble. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I've got coming up. May that's May next year. So it's a while, nice. it's a while off. Really. Yeah. yeah, but that's the I guess the thing about the type of work I make is it 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 take, takes a while. But that all came about because I was in a there's a Messons in Wiltshire, which is they've got this big tithe barn. Um, which is a huge space and they had a show that was just in the summer about climate change so my work kind of fits into that theme quite quite well i think especially the fossil pieces so yeah. um, I, obviously i was in that show and from that they invited me to to exhibit in their uh, mayfair gallery so nice. um, so that's that, that's good after yeah to get to uh, send you an invite gary oh please do please yeah, do those fossil pieces i know we're sort of backtracking a bit here but that one that you mentioned where you've just got the the plastic cup lid yeah. just appearing out of the top of a piece of stone i, yeah, I, that, I love that sort of oh, stuff well, yeah. thanks yeah that's that's alabaster that um i picked up when i went on a walk years ago actually with um you know, I took my family for a walk on the beach at Watshit. No, no, I took a big rucksack knowing there was loads of bits of alabaster <laughs> lying around on the beach. And so, oh, look, what's that? You know, and, uh, so I've got, so, um, yeah, so that's actually a rock that's got a little white seam of alabaster within it that just fitted that coffee lid perfectly. And I keep meaning to go and pick up more of that alabaster, um, which you can do it fairly guilt-free because the thing about alabaster is once it's been in seawater, it just dissolves to nothing. So, yeah. So as soon, as soon as it comes out of the cliffs, you know, it hasn't got long on the beach before it just dissolves. So, yeah, it's not uh, not taking anything that's uh, that's too precious. So. Good. Tom, where can people see your work, be it website or social media? The website is uh, tomwar.com and my Instagram is tomwarsculptor. Um, so that's where you can see my stuff. And war being W-A-U-G-H. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all my questions asked now, Tom. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you, Gary. Thanks very much. I've enjoyed it. I'll uh, I'll let you know about this show in in uh, in May next year. And, uh, Splendid. And I look forward to meeting you, mate. Yeah. Cheers. All the very best, that's Tom. Cheers, See you Gary. later, mate. Ta-da. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media anything is appreciated but either way thanks for listening and until next week ta-da Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.